0: This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to The Fierce and Lovely Podcast. If you're looking for the voices of strong women with tender hearts who are engaging issues that impact us all, but especially young women, this new series is for you. When COVID started, I paused the podcast and started a monthly membership community for women raising tween and teen girls. Each month we entered into our own stories and our daughter's glory through a relevant topic, teens face. I interviewed experts and released them in this private group. And now you get to hear them too. Stay tuned for a lineup of wise thought leaders. I can't wait. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you so much for just taking time out as things get going with kids at home starting virtual school. I know that crazy, so I appreciate your time, and I can't wait for you to share with our audience today, and let's just start with you telling us a little bit about your life, just personally, who are you professionally, what are you offering um, in different spaces? Just give us some context.
1: Yeah, Uh, Well, you just got to experience a little of the crazy of my life because we are starting a virtual school here at our house. We don't know how long it's going to last, but I have four girls who are in school. So we're experiencing all of the technical difficulties that families around the world are (laughs) experiencing right now as we try to do school virtually. Uh, I live in Denver, Colorado. Uh, with my husband, Derek, and we have four daughters, ages 18, 15, 11, and nine. And, uh, we, uh, let's see, we're a big girl sports family. So three of my four girls play both basketball and soccer. So a lot of my life is on the sidelines or driving people to practices and games Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband runs a ministry here in the city for people coming out of homelessness. They provide transitional housing and wraparound services, often for people who are learning to live a sober life, uh, coming out of addictions, or are leaving a domestic violence situation. So um, our family is connected to that greater mission that we have of loving our neighbors here. Uh, I'm an author and I am writing my fifth book right now. Uh, So I have four books out in the world. Um, They deal a lot with contentment and making the most of the life that God has given us today. And I co-host a podcast and uh, a retreat with a friend of mine uh, under the name The Open Door Sisterhood. So The Open Door Sisterhood podcast is Really for women who uh, often are in transition, but who are trying to tackle today's subjects uh, with a faith lens and trying to make sense of uh, relationships and decisions in their lives. And the retreat is for women who are communicators in some way uh, for their ministry or their work.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, that, those are kind of all the highlights for today.
0: <laughs> for right now, for this yeah. season of your life. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we know things are going to change because our oldest is a senior in high school. And we anticipate that next year at this time, she will either be moving into a dorm or have already moved in somewhere. We're hoping that the world will be a place where dorm life is (laughs) part of that equation. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's going to be a big transition for our family. And we know that. And we're bracing ourselves and have been really for years as parenting is the Continued letting go.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you're just such a great voice for for these women um, because you are living it out right now, raising four girls in four different stages Mm -hmm. of of life, three different school groupings, right? Elementary, middle, and high, and um, one about to launch. And so, as a mom of girls, as a woman who cares deeply about Friendship and sisterhood and the community, the greater community of women cheering each other on, Mm -hmm. which is what I hear in elements of the Open Door Sisterhood. I just, you're a great voice. Um, Mm -hmm. And particularly around this topic that I'd love to dive into with with you around feminine friendship Mm -hmm. and uh, like the whole spectrum, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but as a 46-year-old Woman, I still feel like a ten-year-old girl sometimes around friendships, mm-hmm. and when I listen to my fourteen-year-old batting around issues with with, I'm immediately back in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways, it just never changes. Like what our girls go through, we go through as women, and so what a great topic to really digest with our girls. And so I'd love to just start there um, with whether you would like to start with your own kind of how you've navigated things with Mm -hmm. your girls or whether you'd like to start with how you've navigated things as a woman with friendships. I'd love to just kind of get some of your initial thoughts around female relationships.
1: Yeah, for me, I do think it starts with when I was a child and my own friendships growing up. Being an only child growing up Uh, friendships meant a lot to me because I didn't have siblings. So as an adult, I did, I started to realize that maybe I had a deeper and longer commitment to my female friendships from childhood and from college, maybe because I didn't grow up with siblings and sisters and brothers. So uh, friendships have always been very important to me and I'm still very close to a core group of people from college and uh, I have also realized uh, as I've been on the journey of navigating friendships later in life and moving and uh, all of the things, different transitions in life where you have to make friends, I've looked at my own patterns and I realized I am pretty drama averse and so (laughs) I tend to steer clear more probably subconsciously than consciously from relationships that I think are going to create unnecessary drama Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of that I haven't had a ton of conflict in my relationships as an adult but when I hear other women and talk to other women, what I hear is often common is that it's harder to make friendships now because women have been hurt by past friendships with Mm -hmm. other women. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was as far back as the teenage years, or maybe it was recently. Mm -hmm. And that that is often a barrier. Uh, The other barrier I hear about, often that I think is more of a cultural trend that has to do with today's moment is that it's harder to move into a community or into a neighborhood or even into maybe a school community or a church uh, where you're the new person because we now connect so frequently virtually. And so the old ways of bringing someone into the group, have kind of petered to the side. So all of those, maybe even events, and right now during COVID especially, but, oh. but those ways that you would get to know people are starting to slip away culturally, and I'm afraid forever, that would help women enter a group as an adult. Because as kids, we have automatic ways. We're in a classroom. If our kids go to school somewhere, Um, or Sunday school, we're maybe on a sports team. We're just naturally, because of kid culture, organized officially into groups where we can meet people. But as an adult, we don't necessarily have that unless maybe we join an official group. But a lot of women don't have bandwidth for that. They can't be on the PTA. They can't go to the Bible study on Wednesday mornings because they're working or taking care of little kids, or whatever the reason. And so, how do we naturally and organically create relationships in a culture where it's becoming less and less common for acquaintances to spend time together? Mm-hmm. And so, those are the things I've kind of been thinking about. And part of a big part of why we started the Open Door Sisterhood, specifically, we started it with the retreat, was because we saw a need for women who were in a certain um, industry, which often was kind of the publishing, speaking, now podcasting is included in that, but women who were communicating uh, were in kind of a competitive environment where they were competing with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a microcosm of female culture sometimes is that we see other women as competition rather than as our cheerleaders. And we wanted to create an environment where people were intentionally cheering for each other and intentionally giving each other their best wisdom and their best knowledge so that the other people could flourish. And so when we had this retreat experience and it was so powerful for people, they were asking us, how can we bring this to a broader audience? And we couldn't do those kind of intense retreats over and over because we Krista, my friend who I do it with, we both have families. We can't leave our families for more than once a year. And so the podcast kind of came out of the spirit of that. Hmm. But part of it is giving each other our best, so that the other person will flourish. And I don't know that we often approach friendships that way. Hmm. So I'm kind of answering your question from like the back door, as far as these, (laughs) these are the challenges that I see for women today. And that I hear from other women when they are thinking about their own relationships and friendships. And that obviously is going to trickle down into how we are teaching and what we are teaching our own daughters about how to navigate relationships and friendships. And then also just culturally, those things that are impacting us are going to be impacting them as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so to be looking at it from those lenses, I think helps.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yes. I mean, I think about my own life and how some of my closest connections are online and mm-hmm. some of them I have not yet met in person and especially the, the world of communicators and anybody producing content and especially online, that would be the case. And so I can mm-hmm. imagine a retreat like that being a blessing to them. But then you're right. Like I think it's subconscious that we are protective of what we've worked so hard or, or strived so hard to gain including Mm -hmm. knowledge and to be invited to share freely and generously and have a, um, not a scarcity mentality, right? Like that feels rare as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and so for a woman who's like, well, I don't really do that. I mean, I drive carpool and I work at the grocery store or whatever, you know, like my life isn't that of a communicator. How does that apply to me? I think if we give other women our best for their flourishing Hmm. if we change our lens and our mindset to say what is the best thing that i have to offer this other woman it's going to shift our relationships so you know living in a neighborhood where my kids are involved in schools and they're on sports teams. I mean, I just have relationships with lots of other women that aren't necessarily my best friends, but I can ask myself, what is my best that I can offer them right now? And sometimes it's insight from, you know, I do a lot of reading or I I think about topics that other people maybe are just thinking about for the first time now. Um, but more often it's more on the practical side like i can offer to have their child over for an afternoon so that they can have a break or they can go to counseling or they can do whatever i'm seeing that they need to do Hmm. um and so it's this combination of presence and practical that if we ask ourselves what is the best that i can give and you know what sometimes it's our influence and we forget that that I can be an advocate for another woman. Maybe I am working in a place that's hiring and somebody, uh, I know somebody who is looking for a job. Like why not be that connector? Why not be that person who blesses somebody else by saying, I have this connection and I can put in a good word for you. Mm -hmm. And so I try to do that all the time in my work, but I just try to do that in my regular life too. Like, how can I use my influence? I know this teacher really well. You know, as a mom of four kids, by now I know a lot of the elementary school teachers really well because I've been there for a long time. So how can I use my influence? And people may kind of shirk or have a negative reaction to that thought. Um, But it's not in a bad way, but to say, how can I help this mom communicate with this teacher? They're having conflict. Mm-hmm. And I know this teacher well, they trust me. How can I be an advocate for this other mom? Mm-hmm. So it's just really looking at your own life and saying, where are my circles of influence and how can I give this other woman my best that I have to offer?
0: Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: Maybe, maybe it's dinner, but maybe it's a phone call, right? You know, for every person in every situation, it's going to be different and what I can offer one woman that's going to be helpful to her is going to be different than what would be helpful to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, so what we're offering is different as well. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. I love that generous generative spirit of friendship. Have you experienced a time when you, on the flip side, you really needed and wanted and longed for more and perhaps from a particular woman that you were, you really wanted to take that relationship, that friendship to a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And you cross that awkward (laughs) bridge of of getting to that deeper level. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can you put some language around an experience like that and how you ended up getting over that bridge to experience Mm -hmm. more depth with someone?
1: Yeah, um, I'm thinking of somebody in particular right now that we've become friends and I'd say good friends in the last nine months. And part of it was because I simply invited her to be part of my circle and part of a soccer trip we were doing. I said, do you want to be roommates? Like, are both of our girls are going on this trip. I kind of want to choose who I'm going to be a roommate with in the hotel. Would you like to be my roommate? And I think she was a little bit surprised because we didn't know each other that well, but it was a way for me to get to know her. And it turned out that that weekend we were rained out. So there were no soccer games that happened Mm. and we were in the hotel together the whole time. And it was this intensive experience of going on a trip because we flew, this was a big out of state soccer tournament. We flew together, rented a car together, did all these things together and then had to experience adversity together. Like, Oh my gosh, we traveled all this way, spent all this money for, to sit in a hotel room and um, we had so much fun. And so that relationship has continued since then um, because right after that tournament, then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And so we had just experienced this like mini hardship together. I mean, it really wasn't that hard. We were fine, right? But we it wasn't what we expected. Right. Um, and we experienced that together, but then we could take it into the next phase where we're experiencing something new together. We already had that, like, oh my gosh, can you believe this is happening kind of relationship that um, continued into all of our responses in March to COVID and the Mm -hmm. shutdown and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just took an initial invitation. And now it is a reciprocal relationship. So not every invitation is going to end up with a great, robust friendship. Right. Right. Um, so we have to know that there is an element of risk in that. Someone may say yes, and it kind of turns out to be a flop, whatever you've invited them into, or they could just flat out say no. Mm-hmm. But you have to be the one sometimes to go first. Somebody has to go first and and invite the other person in into a situation where maybe they'd be like, oh, okay, I wasn't really expecting mm-hmm. you to include me in that, but sure, Mm-hmm. And then that is where the seeds of friendship start. Because again, nobody's going to officially group us. We're st- we still sometimes get that mindset like, well, I'm going to be put in the fifth grade class with a group of girls. And then that's going to be my group to select from. And as grownups, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. So maybe we intentionally join some official groups so that we can meet people.
0: But now is the time when we really have to take that initiative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to go back to something you said about how it trickles down to our girls and so true, right? What we model as in our friendships with women, they're watching whether we ever talk about it or not that we are modeling it. And so I'm curious about what, what you've seen your girls pick up on, um, what you've walked through with them um, at different ages with their own friendships. What are some of the, things that keep popping up daughter Mm -hmm. after daughter after daughter. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, part of the reason I realized that I am drama averse is because when I have seen drama play out on the playground, I have said to my girls, "Um, we're going to try to avoid this. And I haven't from, I haven't had to coach them that much in that. I think that's part of the trickle down. Like they just observe and follow. But for one of my girls, um, when she was in probably second grade, there was a lot of, I mean, the best word is drama that was happening between a group of maybe seven or eight girls in her grade. They weren't all in her class But lunchtime and recess, before school and after school, became a stressful situation for a lot of the girls because of the conflict that was happening and the groupings and some people trying to instigate um, a competition that maybe wasn't even there. But when you're in second grade, you don't have the maturity to understand or to see, wait, she never actually said anything mean about me or. I have no reason to believe that about her. She's never indicated, you know, those are mature mm-hmm. <laughs> thought processes. So in that situation, I really had to intervene in that I had to coach my daughter in her responses. And it is interesting. Some moms wanted to be more involved than others in that. And I felt like, you know, this is a time when I am responsible to my daughter. And I'm not necessarily responsible to this whole group of girls in Mm. helping them work through it. And that each of us as moms is responsible to teach our kids healthy habits. And so if my daughter is feeling excluded, my job as her mom is to coach her on how to ask if she can participate, if she can be part of the group, or if her feelings are hurt. It's my job to coach her through how she expresses those in a healthy way to her classmates. And as teachers got involved, using the teacher as the adult that can be kind of the neutral party, because I also knew as a mom, I'm hearing one side to a story unless another mom would text me something. I was really hearing my daughter's version and I'm not naive. I know that that's, it, it's- One side. It's one side. And so uh, I really did trust the teachers too to be that kind of neutral adult uh, presence because I didn't know that any of the moms were really gonna be able to not get defensive or not. Yeah. um be in their own daughter's court. Yeah, it just, it, so, So that was an experience where I really had to decide what is my responsibility to my girl and how do I coach her specifically? And then how do I engage with other moms in this? Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of listening because some moms would want to talk about it. And I wasn't really interested, honestly, in like hashing out what the second graders were Rolling over. I had other things to do. And, um, but it was my opportunity to maybe develop a relationship with another mom mm. and to really show her, I want our girls to thrive. I want them to learn life skills now that they're going to carry with them into their teenage years and into adulthood. I um, want to be minimally involved in this because I want them to be developing this muscle, mm. At the same time, I know that they need to learn how to do it. So I'm, this is how I'm coaching my daughter, is how I would often say it. Um, and so, again, because I tend to be drama averse, I didn't really want to be in those conversations with other moms. But I saw it as an opportunity to build a relationship, perhaps, with them. Well. And, um, and to talk about how I was handling that.
0: Yeah, good for you because I'm also kind of drama adverse and I would have been like, I'm staying away from that mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, and and, you know, I often um,
1: know that the energy that a mom is bringing in those conflicts comes from a good place. It comes from a place of wanting what's best for her daughter and often of protection. But it starts to become a little bit of a parenting philosophy too, of letting our girls experience what it's like to be in a hard friendship when the stakes are still pretty low. Mm -hmm. Because in second grade, you can kind of make up and then by next week, be back to playing again Um, so i don't want them to be learning huge mistakes when they're in their 40s i would rather they be learning those mistakes now and that particular girl like a year later she said to me mom i learned my lesson you know this is when she's a mature third grader
0: right learned
1: my lesson and i don't and i don't want to be part of the drama and so even if that's all she learned is that she Mm -hmm. can identify it and say i'm gonna try to choose to step away um, that can be good. Now the flip side of that is sometimes then you're not part of the mix. Yes. And, and again, that's a life lesson that
0: mm-hmm. if
1: you don't want to participate in what the group is doing, it can feel a little bit lonely and a little yeah. bit isolating. Yeah, And that is probably where I struggle still
0: mm-hmm. as an
1: adult. I mean, I'm not invited to some of the neighborhood parties because mm-hmm. I'm not going to participate in some of the adult activity that's happening there. I mean, people know that still it's this, I mean, it's just the same stuff carries over. Right? So that feels, uh, you always want to be included. That's my thing is you always want to be invited and to be able to say no. So because I know that pain, that is something that I try to help coach my girls through too. Is there somebody who would like to be invited to this? is not on the invite list? Is there a way to include her that would feel appropriate? Mm -hmm. And um, if not, how are we going to try to minimize, especially with social media, how are we going to try to minimize the impact that this was a select group of people that Mm -hmm. were involved?
0: Yeah. You know, that is where I'm at with my two, um, who I'm I'm proud of that they have said, I don't want to be a part of, of that whatever that is
1: mm-hmm.
0: but what has resulted is a lot of of loneliness mm-hmm. and There's there's not a whole lot of girls left who don't want to be a part of whatever's right. going on and yeah it's one thing to help them include and to use their pain and think of others but it doesn't change the pain that keeps happening when there's so few friends. Mm -hmm. And that's just been hard. That's been a hard reality for them. And I keep hoping, right. My youngest is in a new, was in a new high school this year in hopes of meeting new people. And now she's, you know, staring at a screen, but I hope that my senior will have a fresh start in college. Like, I hope that's not the story for her life. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's been hard. Like I hear you when you say, Choosing to walk away from drama is sometimes a choice to walk in loneliness, Mm -hmm. especially as a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can't make it
1: easier for Mm -hmm. our kids. I mean, we can sure try like, okay, well, we're going to just have the best time ever here at home. And we're going to have a movie night and let's go to Dairy Queen and try to fill in all those hard places and spaces. But Mm -hmm. it can't totally Um, fill that in, and to recognize it, which sometimes is where I need to do a better job of stopping and recognizing and not minimizing Hmm. um, the experience um, and not glossing over it, but saying, I know this is hard right now. And I don't do as good of a job as I'd like to do in Mm -hmm. that. So that's where I'm working to get better.
0: Right. Yeah. Aren't we all? just being able to sit in the discomfort of something we can't fix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna be able to remove that pain or go make friends for them or go arrange play dates anymore when they're 17 years old. Right, and then there is
1: this coaching too of, you know, we often feel like everybody else is having a great time and we're the only ones sitting at home this can be us as women as well. Like we think we're the only ones who are feeling Mm -hmm. lonely. And I hear this a lot from women. Why does it seem like other people can make friends and I can't Mm. when the truth is there are likely more people who are out there lonely wondering where their friends are too than we think there are. But also we don't know the quality of relationships that other people are experiencing. We only know what we perceive Mm -hmm. And so what we perceive is based on observation, Whether and that can be a very filtered, very curated experience if it's on social media, or it can be just from a distance sitting in class, watching other people talk about something. To remind our girls that we don't know how lonely other people feel in the middle of a crowd, Hmm. because that is a, a reality that it can seem like Um, somebody is quite popular and, and quite satisfied with her life. And the truth is there's a lot of pain and grief in there. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is also a life lesson. That is something for both us moms Mm -hmm. and for our daughters. Yeah.
0: I'm curious at the very beginning, you said for yourself being an only child friends were super important and you have a whole set of, Stories, memories of, of your young girl self in connection to other girls. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that kind of popping up to the surface in your interactions with your daughters about their friendships or lack of? Yeah. It's interesting because
1: in some ways they do have each other. And so it, like during this whole shutdown experience, you know, I knew a lot of kids, only children who were very isolated and were really only seeing their parents when we were having all kinds of crazy happening at our house because we have six people who live here. Um, So I think in some ways um, I really tell them often how fortunate they are that they have each other forever, that their relationships are, um, are for life. But I think, too, I recognize, because my friends were so important to me, um, that I do need to make that a priority when they want to make it a priority in Hmm. their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's been tricky, I'll be honest, the last few months, because we're trying to decide what is safe as far as people being together, uh, what kinds of activities are okay and not okay, and where do we set limits, and And a lot of that is born out of their desire to be with their friends. And so um, just like moms who get mad at little girls who hurt their daughter's feelings, (laughs) um, girls who rebel against their parents' rules to see their friends, it's out out of a good place. It's out Mm -hmm. of wanting to make those friendships a priority. And so Mm -hmm. how can we, um, foster that and mm-hmm. and do that. So um, I think that it's mostly just been the the desire to make it something that is important when they show an interest mm-hmm. in a particular
0: relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hear you saying like wanting to bless. That is a good and beautiful and holy desire that they want relationship and that they have strong enough friends that they miss and want to be with, like all of that is good and right. And so to figure out how to do that in an honest way, how to do that in a mm-hmm. safe way, like that's secondary to blessing the desire, which is good and right. And holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. good. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for just sharing some of your thoughts on, on all of this and, your experience as you're raising these four young women—it's not easy, is it? Often I find that, uh, like my young self, is right in the room with them. Sometimes yeah. I'm—is like, this 13-year-old Beth right now talking to you, or is this mature mom? <laughs> and it's a struggle, and it's more—it feels more of a struggle for me with my girls than my son, who's the oldest. Um, they brought out something else in me that was—that was that young girl. Right. Well, that's the challenge with moms and daughters, I think, is
1: that we don't ever fully separate. And so with our own moms, you know, they may drive us crazy. And then we have teenage daughters who look at us the same way we looked at our moms when we were teenagers and, and their desire is to separate and to be their own person. And so it's our job to Bless and release. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, we are tethered to each other forever. And so it's this pull and stretch and uh, allowing our girls to be who they are um, more and more as they grow older. And often that's different than who we thought they would be or even who we wanted them to be or the decisions we wanted them to make. But um, allowing them to have those wings and spread them, it can be a painful stretching process for daughter and for mom. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. We are always tethered together and we are also always all the layers of our years and stories, right? Like Mm -hmm. Like a tree trunk that all of those early experiences with our own mom are still fully a part of us. Mm-hmm. So there is that sense of eternal and cyclical and yeah, I'm waxing philosophical now. Yes, I,
1: I know. And we, and we see it so often when we look at our daughters and we think, oh, okay, now I understand how my mom felt. Now I can remember feeling that way about her, the way you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Someday you're going to feel this way that I'm feeling. And you can't really say all of that to them because they're just-
0: They like, don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Although I will say it has been helpful for them to hear things like I, whatever they're experiencing today with a friend, for instance, for me to say, I just experienced that last week Mm -hmm. with this woman who, you know, is my friend and for them to hear like, okay, I'm not crazy. And while it might not be encouraging to know that in 30 years, I'll still struggle with that. It's still, I think helpful for them to know this is human experience mm-hmm. and we're going to get through it. And he, you know, we're going to, here's how we're going to handle this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for giving us your time and your wisdom. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you're curious about something you heard, check the show notes for links to learn more. And perhaps you'd like to check out one of the Fierce & Lovely mini courses for a deep dive into a particular parenting topic. That link is in the notes too. Fierce & Lovely is a proud partner of the Restory Universe, where like-minded practitioners and programs are all infused with the Restory approach. Curious? Check us out at RestoryUniverse.com.